No, I really don't wonder. But look how pretty that little house is. I like these little houses with the little princess tower. Somebody was saying that you this... think that's a little house? No. But oh. doesn't it remind you of a house that Rapunzel would be in, like a castle? They said Rapunzel was the first person to have, you know, coronavirus. Because, well, no, not really have coronavirus. No, but check this out. She lived in Corona. Rapunzel is from Corona. Or wherever she was is from Corona. Oh, no, Daddy. Let me find it. Oh, no, it is. It's in Queens, isn't it? Oh, no, Daddy. Oh, no, but I just realized that. And then she's in the tower. She doesn't come out. and She's looking for stuff to do, playing with her hair. She never cut, got her hair cut. I hope. No. All these girls got long braids, though. You know, oh, because they all let their hair out because the coronavirus, nobody's looking at them. They don't need to get their braids done. It's weird. I hope people are still showering because they're staying home, you know. Don't lapse on the hygiene, you know, because nobody's around. You don't know what kind of surveillance might be going on. You don't know who's watching, you know. You don't know if they got you hooked up to 5G and they can smell what you smell and, you know, your ex is going to leave reviews or whatever. Oh, she used to smell like that. No matter what you think of anybody personally, if someone's really getting to the heart of the matter, it's worth listening to. Here we go. What very clearly is this attempt to play that card of mass global immunization with a, a uh, excuse of this manufactured virus to uh, get access to the, the bodies, the body computer systems, as I would say, of, of, of almost everyone on the planet. And they're not doing that because they want to protect people from anything. Crikey, the force that's saying be vaccinated is the force that created the virus which they're saying be vaccinated against. They're doing this to get access to the global population for very, very malevolent reasons. And uh, what people need to realize is that these uh, families do not come from the same perspective of life and respect that we do. They, they see humans like cattle, nothing more than cattle, and most humans see cattle. They uh, therefore have no empathy with the consequences for the human population of their actions. So if people say, they'd never do that, mate, no, no, you'd never do that. They do it all the time. Article 7. Coronavirus. The Peerbright Institute is funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. On October 18th of 2019, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, along with John Hopkins and the World Economic Forum, hosted Event 201, a high-level pandemic simulation in New York City. The simulation, which was held just three months ago, was based on the coronavirus. They concluded that it could kill 65 million people and decided the solution was to have a vaccine within months of an epidemic. The same week that the coronavirus makes headlines, Netflix releases the docu-series Pandemic, How to Prevent an Outbreak. 
wherein the solution is vaccines and the trusted hero is Bill Gates. Meanwhile, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation fund Innovio Pharmaceuticals, Inc. to develop a coronavirus vaccine. It's weird, right? Or am I just a conspiracy theorist? So this is a uh, <clears throat> road to Ruda on the virus. Um, before I put him on with uh, more information uh, regarding who is trying to get bailed out other than the American people. Um, well, I don't know what video I was watching, but um, the person said that um, warm to hot liquids frequently like soups beverages, teas, all of that destroys the virus in your throat. Um, not only that, it pushes it down to your stomach where your gastric juices, can the acidity of your gastric juices can destroy the virus before it ever gets to your lungs. So a really healthy thing to do if you're feeling any kind of, any kind of anything, <clears throat> is to uh, consume the warm beverages. Um, I definitely, in my life, whenever I've been sick, I have gargled with hydrogen peroxide, and it has knocked out uh, so many... I mean, I came back from so many colds. Um, so um, preventative is the best thing to do, and that is definitely uh, some strong advice. I will post the uh, original where I heard it, but for now, that's good enough. Um, let's go in with some of this financial information. What is uh, how the coronavirus might be being used as uh, a financial grab by uh, the markets? So let's listen. Here we go. Road to Ruda. Hey guys, BigSquareRoadToRuda.com. I am fucking disgusted. I'm disgusted by our politicians, by our bankers, by our elected officials, by the Federal Reserve. They've been going round and round all weekend on how many companies they can bail out. And they make it look like, oh, this is for the middle class. This is for the citizens of the United States. This is for a criminal enterprise to continue. A criminal enterprise to continue. Corporations, businesses. Banks. Why do I call them criminal enterprises? Let's just take a look. There's a great website called, I call it the violation tracker. It's called goodjobsfirst.org. And they have a violation tracker. Who was the first company they wanted to bail out? Boeing. Boeing, right? So I looked up Boeing. In the past 20 years, how many criminal fines have they paid? $1.2 billion worth of fines to stay out of jail. Why in the hell would we bail out a company like that? $1.29 billion worth of just fines. Why do we need corporations like that to destroy our system? They take their bonuses, they run away, they run up fines, and now they're asking for a bailout? Are you fucking kidding me? How about the airline industry in general? 
$2.17 billion in fines in the last 20 years. $2.17 billion in criminal activities that they paid off so they didn't have to go to jail. Why would we bail out an industry like that? It goes on and on and on. Oil and gas. Look at this one. $45.4 billion in fines they paid over the last 20 years to, to just to make things go away, to pay off their Congress people who are now deciding, oh, we need to bail out these industries or that it's not their fault the coronavirus hit. We, if we bail these people out, you can kiss our country goodbye. Kiss it goodbye and the worst of the worst. Yes. Financial services. $317 billion have been paid out by the financial services industry for all the crimes they've committed in the last 20 years. Why the hell would we give them any money at all? These are companies that should be shut down. Look at the top 10. Bank of America has paid 82.6 billion dollars in fines in the last 20 years for criminal activity. Number of records, 182 times they've been busted. And we're talking about bailing them out, making money flow all over the place so they can keep this criminal activity going. JP Morgan Chase, the evil wicked witch and her henchmen, the riggers of silver gold, and you name the commodity that they rig, and they're the ones, the main riggers, $34.5 billion in fines. Everything from mortgage-backed securities to your house loan to LIBOR, which affects every single interest rate on planet Earth. These people don't deserve a bailout. They belong in jail. The whole system belongs in jail. Go to the violation tracker. Go to the violation tracker right here, violation tracker. And what you do is you click on the industry you want to look at. You name the industry that's looking for a bailout right now, parent industries. Agriculture is looking for bailouts, right? Let's check out that industry. $758 million worth of fines to, to, to basically get out of jail. Look at these criminals. And we want to give them money to keep this system going. How about this? What else are they trying to bail out right now? Pretty much everything, if you ask me. Freight and logistics. Yeah, the shipping companies and all that. They're looking at $2.5 billion in fines. FedEx, for example, had 239 violations that they paid $666 million for. Did you see any of that money? Where does where do the fines go? For the banking industry, where did the $317 billion go? Did it go to the people or did it go to the lobbyists? Did it go to your government? This is the kind of shit we're bailing out. And this is what we have to stop. This is the ridiculousness of this system. If you want this crap to go on for the rest of your life and the rest of your kid's life, yeah, give everybody a bailout. And what they'll do, hey, they'll give you a couple thousand dollars to shut you up. So you don't say anything about their con that they're running. 
These people belong in jail. They don't belong to be bailed out with anything ever again. Send this video to everybody you know and say, what the fuck? Why would we bail these criminals out again just to have them run over us, over the people of the United States of America, of the world? It is over. We have our chance right now to end their game. And all we have to do is say no. No bailouts. No more. It's the worst thing that the that the human race has ever faced. It's not the coronavirus. It's the criminality of the corporations and the banking establishment. That's what we really need to get rid of. And we haven't we have the chance to do that right now by saying no bailouts for anybody. If you're a citizen, do not accept a bailout. No more bailouts. Let the system die. And we can create a new one. Better. An honest system. Is it gonna be rough? Absolutely. Is it rough now? Not even close. It's going to be a thousand times rougher, no matter which way we go. But the best thing we can do right now is say no bailout. Forget it. And put these criminals in jail where they belong. Right. <laughs> Look at that $317 billion in penalties, which means they made probably well over a trillion dollars in the crimes they committed. This has got to stop, and it's got to stop now. Send this to everybody you know. Bravo, Ben. Bravo, Ben. Banks these days is... You can go to J.P. Morgan, go across the street to the 7-Eleven. Somebody robs that store of 100 bucks, they get like six months in jail. Right across the street, they're robbing us for billions of dollars every day, and they get no jail time. They pay a fine. And the fine's a hell of a lot less than they make on those transactions. It is pathetic, it is sick, it is wrong. And I wrote this song called, Hey Mr. Banker. I usually do it slow, but with the band, we're gonna go really fast, snippy, like fast, fast. All right, ready? Sir. Oh wait, <laughs> I think I messed up on that. Uh, okay. I wasn't listening. Let's start over. This has got to stop, and it's got to stop now. Send this to everybody you know. Bravo, Ben. Bravo, Ben. More wine. <laughs> More wine. More cowbell. This is a, it's called Hey, Mr. Banker. It was written about uh, Jamie Diamond and, um, and the criminality. The amazing thing about banks these days is you can go to J.P. Morgan, go across the street to the 7-Eleven. Somebody robs that store of 100 bucks, they get like six months in jail. Right across the street, they're robbing us for billions of dollars every day, and they get no jail time. They pay There's a no fine, and the fine's a hell of a lot less than they make on those transactions. It is pathetic, it is sick, it is wrong. And I wrote this song called, Hey, Mr. Banker. I usually do it slow, but with the band, we're going to go really fast. Snippy. Like, fast, fast. All right, ready? Sir? 
seen You play your dirty games But you fool me You're making money out of thin air Lend it to the people The money never was there For posing on the sheep When all falls apart If we are down on one knee You demand a bailout And a get out of jail caught free Whoa, you're just a criminal In a fancy suit Just a criminal Stealing everyone's loot You're just a criminal You'll be chosen one day when the people find out they're gonna lock you away. I don't know if these people are awake enough for all that. They're sleeping at the wheel, y'all. I know this stuff is a lot to take. Um, you know, I'd kind of almost rather hear about any kind of progress being made than any more news about uh, coronavirus. I just don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to hear the news people, you know, trying to make us uh, nuts. I just don't want to hear it. Um, so, this is McAllister. I guess if she has any kind of proof, I'm hoping that she shows it. Linda Paris, and you can see my snarky blog at. She's got some serious pictures on here. Masturbation and body dysmorphia are the claimed effects. The consequences of too much adrenochrome. Too much adrenochrome in the body through drinking blood can increase the iron count in the blood and can prove to be fatal, as the body cannot deal with a sudden increase in the ions. In addition to this, adrenochrome in the brain can cause serious mental disorders such as schizophrenia. Vitamin C and nicotinic acid can help reduce the adrenochrome in the brain. And here we go. I don't think you can show this picture enough. Obviously. It's, it's, <laughs> it's totally, its whole adrenaline system is shut down. I mean, this thing does not look human to begin with. And you could see the same kind of thing happening here. I mean, they look like it looks like the same sort of thing going on. Very ugly, <laughs> horrible. Now this says looks like Hillary is running out of adrenochrome, and this is a uh, artist rendering of, of kind of what happens to you when you run out of adrenochrome, and we can see that happening in these people. And this came out of the Megabeam folder. And you can see all these big loudmouths. They're the ones that are high on the adrenochrome. We know where you get it. We know how you have to get it. And I mean, these people don't even look human to me anymore. And here is a photograph. First of all, this guy looks like he just crawled out of hell just to make this appearance. And he's going to go back down there after this whole thing is over with. But... It looks like this thing spilt adrenochrome all over her leg. I guess you could say it was wine or something, but I don't think they'd be making this meme about that. What the hell is that? Plus, wouldn't you wipe that off if it was wine? Plus, this guy looks deranged out of his mind every minute of every day. So no surprises here, adrenochrome. They all look like this. On, in Hollywood, what do you think was happening to Tom Cruise on the Oprah show? And so, you know, he's jumping all over the couch and stuff, acting weird. Well, 
And look at this creepy guy. Oh, both of them. Both of them. He makes the walnut sauce. I mean, these, these, I don't even know if these things are human. And of course, uh, we've already seen this one without the adrenaline. You know, if she's got a mask, <laughs> she paints on her face and she thinks we don't know that we can't notice that it's a plastic mask that, the, that she has to paint onto her face and try to keep it still so it doesn't go sliding off right in front of the news cameras. <laughs> oh, this is sheer blue. And these are soy boys. And they get high on adrenochrome. They go out and they rape kids together. Oh, God. And uh, it's gross. They're disgusting. They all ought to be arrested. But <laughs> when I looked at the album cover, so here it is. And, and look, all I see is, I mean, pedo symbols and sodomy and all kinds of, look at all the pedo symbols and the, just the text. So very uh, kind of disgusting. This is kind of looks like sodomy to me. And it seems like all these people ever do is do you know create images of oh god i can't let's skip ahead amazing with tranquility twas then when the hurdy-gurdy man came singing songs of love then when the hurdy-gurdy man came singing songs of love hurdy-gurdy 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 he sang and it's repeated three times and this i thought might be a handler um, it says, histories of ages past, unenlightened shadows cast down through all eternity, the crying of humanity. Tis then when the hurdy-gurdy man comes singing songs of love. Then when the hurdy-gurdy man comes singing songs of love. And then hurdy-gurdy is repeated. Says, here comes the roly poly man. He's singing songs of love. Roly poly, roly poly, roly poly, poly, he sang. And it's just kind of nonsense after that. But this is what they're kind of describing that it becomes the end of everything when they're going through the MK Ultra programming. And then they pass through this. Uh, I'm trying to inspire people, give them something to look forward to, and all of this darkness. Uh, so here is Pastor Jerome, Pastor Jerome on uh, the stimulus package. My dad told me about it. I didn't even, I, I don't have TV, so I didn't even know what he was talking about. Let's go in with Pastor Jerome. I. Where is it? Come on, Pastor. Yeah, I'm going to do a quick overview of the stimulus package, and I'm going to let the professionals tell you what's really going on. But America is waiting on the Democrats, folks. The bill can't uh, hit the president's desk until the Democrats, the lovely, lovely Democrats who like to play different political games, when they sign the bill and support it, the checks will be forthcoming. Okay, so here is the overview. The people need help, and they need it fast. This 
will deliver it. Americans could receive up to $1,200 in direct cash payments as part of a stimulus plan introduced by the Republican senators to fight the impact of the pandemic. Married couples would be eligible to receive as much as $2,400, with an additional $500 for every child. Those payments will scale down for individuals who make more than $75,000 and couples that make more than $150,000. The proposal needs the support of Democrats before heading to President Trump's desk. Stocks and currencies bounced back early on Friday after the Fed's... There you have it. All right. And it looks like people who make over $75,000 will, will get some money as well. They won't get to 1200 but they'll get something. All right, leave your questions, comments in the comment box, comment section, and I'll see you on the next video. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's happy. It's a happy kind of funny, right? Okay, so... Um... Waiting on dummies, Democrats. Come on, guys. We know you can do it for the American people. Come on. Everything. In fact, people are going to notice that when you walk up, they're going to say, who is this? You're not registered. You say, it's me. What do you mean, who is this? No, you're not showing up on this. You don't exist. If you think I'm kidding... This is Elba. This is this is like some type of a prison. And people are going to be, one of these days, enslaved by this chip that will not, will, it will replace okay. you. Is that by around the year 2030, humanity will be, have their brains connected to artificial intelligence. And he's very open about it. Uh, as... Um, this goes on. Artificial intelligence will do more and more of human thinking until human thinking as we know it now is basically negligible. In other words, you'll be a computer terminal on someone else's internet. When you're born into the world as it is, you, you don't really have so much of a compass to, to get a fix on the world as it is because it's just how it is. When you were born before it, it, it is a, as it is now, you have a compass, you have a comparison. You can see the scale, the stunning scale of the change, not least since this technological society kicked in and, and then went kind of on steroids. What about this? 5G, an emerging technology upgrade that has many countries concerned about its impact on human health. Experts from all over the world warn of the dangers of 5G. In 2018, it was reported locally that Wuhan would be the testbed city for full 5G network operation in China. The article went on to say that it would be fully operational by 2020. And on Halloween of 2019, they turned it on. Scientists warned that 5G causes flu-like symptoms. Interesting. What is also interesting is that when trying to share the link of 5G being launched in Wuhan, Facebook blocks you from doing so because it violates their community guidelines. All right, so I just want to talk about what Google puts in its results when you type in and search, when did 5G go live in Wuhan, China? Okay, 
it has this poster, this poster up at the top um, that basically links to a site known as Full Fact. Okay, and what they're pinning up here is this headline: "The Wuhan Coronavirus Has Nothing to Do with 5G," and then dash Full Fact. So basically, the first thing they want you to see. Google, because this is their algorithm, and this is what they're putting in your vision when you first, only, all you're searching is, when did 5G go live in Wuhan, China, right? You didn't put nothing about coronavirus, but the first thing it pulls up is, the Wuhan coronavirus has nothing to do with 5G, being promoted by a site known as Full Fact, okay? Now, it says the claim is Wuhan is where 5G was ruled out first. Um, it says claimed by a Facebook user, and then it has fact checked by full fact. As if this is a uh, some sort of reliable site that we're supposed to trust. Coincidence. So how close are we to actually having microchips implanted under our skin? Scared microscopic tag being planted in a person's body to track his every movement. There's actual discussion about that. You will rule on that. Mark my words before your tenure is over. Mark my words, huh? More like the mark of the beast. You know, I'm not one to dogmatically say that absolutely the mark of the beast has arrived on the scene, but with the technologies that we're seeing, the, uh, the RFID people willingly getting implanted, uh, and a push even uh, in some places uh, for maybe some forced implants very soon. I, I do think that that is right around the corner, brother. We could very well be on the horizon of that. Everything that we see that we now realize is evil, going back, uh, you know, the Patriot Act, the, all of the NSA spying and everything. Listen, that was sold to us as we need this for safety. The most incredible aspect of all. These totalitarian elements will not be forced upon the people. The people will demand them. For the social manipulation of society through the generation of fear and division has completely detached humans from their sense of power and reality. But here's the catch. One of these days, God forbid, Scotty, you defy, they, they, they find you guilty of something. And you go before a court. And they say, we're going to sentence you to prison no we're gonna turn your chip off and you don't exist i don't know it's like when they the personality splits everything's okay and these mk ultra victims like max spears says that james Kaz, i think it's casbolt he says that a lot of them say once you pass through it's okay they, they act like this is okay to break up the brain like this because they know there's going to come a time when everything's going to be okay. And it almost sounds like that's what this song is about. So, you know, you just might as well imagine everything is a fake. You can't, There's nowhere to go. There's nothing to watch. There's no music to listen to. There's nothing. Look at these pedo symbols. And it's just... And here we are, John Michael Basque. And here he is. Well, look. I mean, look. Uh, Haiti, come on. And they, art dealers, are selling his work for $110.5 million, okay? That was the big deal about him. Here is this guy 
who was, but look, look at all the MK Ultra symbols here. And so I don't think him being an artist or being around any of these people is any accident. And he's obviously neck deep, eyeball deep in all of this. But he's the one that did the drawing that's on Ellen's shirt. So, so they believe this is run forest. Uh, and that, that that's what these photographs mean. That she is telling him, she, he is telling her, him to run. I don't know what these people's real genders are. But this almost looks like a cannibalism right here. And all his stuff looks like voodoo and cannibalism. And Haiti is supposed to be a big place for that. Somebody Stop is, uh, an anonymous put this down. Have you learned how to decipher their coded messages yet? Hey, folks. Hey, deep state friends. Good news. One week after testing positive in self-isolation, the symptoms are much the same. Good news. They've held me for a week, but the situation hasn't changed much. No fever, but the blahs. Uh, translation, lots of talk, but they don't have much. Uh, folding the laundry and doing the dishes leads to a nap on the couch. And the translation is they didn't believe the cover story and they put me in isolation. Uh, the letter says bad news. My wife at Rita Wilson has won six straight hands of gin rubby and leads by 201 points. Translation, bad news. They've got us for whatever six is a code for. We aren't playing the game. Jin Rummy only goes to 100. Playing the game is being a rat. And they know about the 201 scenario. And uh, Anonymous says, look it up. The letter or the uh, email says, I have learned not to spread my Vegemite, says Thick. Sorry, post or in Instagram or tweet or whatever the heck it is. No, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm quiet. Is that Gladys? Oh, I meant the radio. Oh, Pray for these people out here. Ooh, Ooh we're almost here. You can get it. It don't matter if the virus is real or not. The killer is the 5G. And it's coming. It's being installed behind our backs right now and fixing to go full blast into the schools and everywhere else. While we're locked down at home, they want everybody at home because they don't want nobody to see what's going on. And they're going to have rules like you have to have permission to leave your house. You think that that won't happen? <coughs> you watch. Mark my words. That's what they're going to do because they want to know where you're going, the path you're taking. So that you won't be making sure you won't be going by and seeing something that they're doing. They're going to have everything controlled in areas where they're doing their work. 
Coronavirus. Gregory Regano is an advisor of the Stanford University School of Medicine, and he joins us tonight. Mr. Regano, thanks so much for coming on. So tell us what this is and why you think it's promising, please. So the president has the authority to authorize the use of hydroxychloroquine against coronavirus immediately. He has cut more red tape at the FDA than any other president in history. And for example, in 2017, a new drug was approved for muscular dystrophy for a clinical trial that enrolled less than 15 patients and was generally uncontrolled yes. in an open setting. Hydroxychloroquine has been on the market for over 50 years with a quality safety profile. And I'm here to report a well-controlled, peer-reviewed study carried out by the most eminent infectious disease specialist in the world, Didier Raoult, MD, PhD, in which he enrolled 40 patients, again, a well-controlled, peer-reviewed study that showed a 100% cure, right, cure rate against coronavirus. The study was released this morning on my Twitter account, Regano ESQ, as well as our most recent website, covidtrial.io. The study was recently accepted to the International Journal of Antimicrobial Agents by Elsevier. So, so I, I obviously I, I only know what you're telling me, but I, I do know it's very unusual for a study of anything to pursue to produce results of 100 percent. I mean, that that's remarkable, isn't it? Or am I missing something? That is remarkable. In fact, to be able to cure a virus was said to be mathematically impossible. And the first company that did it was a small biotech called Pharmacet that was acquired by Gilead Sciences in the cure to hepatitis C. What we're here to announce is the second cure to a virus of all time. Well, that's I mean, remarkable. I mean, of course, it's our job to be skeptical of all and any claims. However, I very much want to believe this. And I think we need, obviously, immediately to run it down. The federal government needs to find out if this is true, because if, if it is, you know, that's the, that's the biggest news of this moment. So I'm so grateful that you announced that on this show, and I hope we're hearing a lot more about it very soon. Thank you so much for coming on. How many people are reaching out to people they, never, they were too afraid to ask out on a date? And now they're like, I dreamed about you. Yeah. Too late us, now. That's us getting mad. <laughs> they're not going to go that far. But if you had to pick somebody, if you got to be quarantined with somebody, oh no, oh you, there's a wonder if they're going to be pregnant. Probably a lot of babies getting made. You know, maybe that's why they're playing Luther Vandross all the time now. They're not thinking about that. Oh. They're putting two and two together. And it's making four. 
Yeah, yeah, I got it. Thank you. Sound like they're doing it. Is that Rick James and Tina? Oh, yeah. Oh, imagine if they're doing it in series sense. The audio of what people are doing at home. You know, Alexa and Siri. They think they can just share things with everybody. Oh, this is good for the human race to know what's going on. I know, they don't understand. They can't even answer the simplest question. Yeah. Oh, you know, I never smelled no fish smell from there. Mm-mm. That fish is fresh. No. <laughs> Usually when I reheat fish, I'll get a scent from it and I'll be like, mm-hmm, there's the ammonia. Oh yeah, I think we're here. Well, <clears throat> I think that they really set that one out for you. We got another one. It's everything I would have said to you anyway. So hold on. Here it comes. Uh -uh. Oh no. Excuse me. Harvard professor Shoshana Zuboff is sometimes called the Karl Marx of our time. Her monumental book, The Age of Surveillance Capitalism, exposed the dubious mechanisms of our digital economy. According to Zuboff, our personal and private experiences have been hijacked by Silicon Valley and used as the raw material for extremely profitable digital products. The term surveillance capitalism is not an arbitrary term. Why surveillance? Because it must be operations that are engineered as undetectable, indecipherable, cloaked in rhetoric that aims to misdirect, obfuscate, and just downright bamboozle all of us all the time. Connecting them. Don't be evil. Connecting them. Humanity. Don't be evil. Humanity. Humanity. It's about empowerment of the individual. The future is private. What really happens with your Facebook photos? Why are there hidden microphones in Google Nest? And Pokemon Go exposed as child molesters? In this episode of Backlight, Shoshana Zuboff reveals how Silicon Valley deceives us so well. The big data robbery. Or, I enjoy personalized services. Sometimes people will say, uh, you know, I have nothing to hide, so I, I don't care what they take. Each one of these statements is a profound misconception of what's really going on. We think that the only personal information they have about us is what we've given them. And we think we can exert some control over what we give them. And therefore, we think that our calculation, our trade-off here, is, is something that is 
is somehow under our control, that we understand it. What's really happening is that we provide personal information, but the information that we provide is the least important part of the information that they collect about us. Thanks to their navigation and search engine, Google knows where we are all the time and what we think. Facebook knows our hobbies, preferences, and friends because they retrieve a lot of information from the digital traces we leave behind unwittingly. Spelling errors in your search terms, which color buttons you prefer, how fast you type, how fast you drive. Residual data. Way back at the beginning, back in the year 2000, 2001, 2002, back in those days, these data were considered just extra data. They were considered waste material. And people called them things like digital exhaust or, or data exhaust. Eventually, it was understood that these so-called waste materials harbored these rich predictive data. The search information we retain, we do for quality purposes. So for example, the Google spell checker, our did you mean feature that appears on Google, has been built using long periods of, of data around you know, someone issuing a query and then issuing another corrected query right after that and us learning those corrections. And it actually takes more than 30 days worth of data to build the world-class spell corrector that we have. The companies like to say, we collect data so that we can improve our service. And that's true. They collect data and some of it is used to improve the service to you. But even more of it is analyzed to train what they call models, patterns of human behavior. So once I have big training models, I can see how people with these characteristics typically behave over time. And that allows me to fit your data right into that arc and to predict what you're likely to do, not only now, but soon and later. This is what I call behavioral surplus. These data streams filled with these rich predictive data. Why surplus? Because right from the start, these were more data than was required to improve products and services. Once you have the behavioral surplus, the comprehensive behavioral data of hundreds of millions of people, you can start predicting the preferences of specific groups. Think popular shoes for male managers or the preferred restaurant of a group of people sharing the same zip code. Maybe they do a prediction of where I have dinner tonight or how can I imagine what they will predict about me? Well, you know, at the simplest level, they may predict uh, the kind of food you're in the mood for right now and, uh, and then sell that prediction, auction that prediction to their business customers in the, in the restaurant business who will then send you a very quick ad. We know you're in the mood for a delicious pasta dish tonight we can invite you to our restaurant and here's a discount coupon. There are some people who are saying, well, it's very improbable 
that those targeted ads really can achieve something because people have their own will and they will not buy some shoes just because there is an ad in front of them. You know, I think one of the um, one of the misconceptions that it's really important for us to move away from is that surveillance capitalism is something that is only manifest in our lives when we're online or somehow it's only restricted to online targeted advertising it's easy for us to say oh these these things don't affect me the fact is this is being conducted at a layer that is not accessible to us we have no idea what today's algorithms can predict about us or what behavioral data they used to do it. A simple thing like buying a certain kind of shampoo can divulge essential information about us. For example, the New York Times reported a case of a supermarket chain that knew a girl was pregnant even before she did, or was prepared to share the news. The market's algorithms discovered that the girl switched from fragrant shampoos to more neutral smelling products. Since the olfactory senses of pregnant women become stronger, the market algorithm assumed this girl must be pregnant. Her father didn't know until he was repeatedly sent special offers for baby products. Thanks to the analysis of trillions of terabytes of behavioral data that we unwittingly leave around the digital domain, big tech sometimes knows us better than we know ourselves. They can predict things like our personality, our emotions, our sexual orientation, our political orientation, a whole range of things that we never ever intended to disclose. The predictive value that big tech can glean from residual data is huge. The family photos we post on our Facebook pages contain residual data from which vast amounts of valuable knowledge can be distilled. Let's say I put my uh, children's birthday party photo album on the web, on the Facebook pages. What we don't understand is that the most important thing there are not the photos per se. It's the predictive signals that these companies can lift from the photos. It's not just my face, but it's allowing them to have the face so that they can analyze the hundreds of muscles in my face. Uploading innocent snapshots on your Facebook page can have unforeseen consequences. Our faces, for example, are used to train algorithms to recognize facial features. And we have absolutely no idea what that facial recognition software is used for. These data streams with these rich predictive signals are fed into the new factories, the computational factories, analyzed for predictions of human behavior and these predictions are then sold who are they sold to they're not sold to us we are not the customers they're sold to businesses to business customers who want to maximize our value to their business whatever it may be they use information from our faces which we've given billions and billions of photos to Facebook to 
to train models for facial recognition. Those models are then sold to military operations, some, some of them in China. And those Chinese operations do many things, including imprisoning the Uyghur, uh, a subset of the, of the Uyghur Muslim pop population in China in what is uh, rightly regarded as an open-air prison where they actually don't have to have people behind bars because they track and follow them constantly through facial recognition. The knowledge obtained from our residual data can be sold to anyone. Facial recognition software, for instance, might be sold to a Chinese company that supports the oppression of the Uyghurs in China or that helps track down advocates of democracy in Hong Kong. That way, our precious family photos might be used by Facebook to facilitate authoritarian regimes. And our privacy is guaranteed. Because it's not our faces that are sold, it's the residual data scraped off them. It's very difficult to have a concept of this for a, for a very good reason. It's not because we're stupid. It's because these processes have been disguised. They operate in stealth. They have been engineered to be indecipherable, to be undetectable, to create ignorance in a vast group of all of us that they call users. Our ignorance is their bliss. There are some things that have broken through into the public view that we do know about. So let's talk about Facebook's massive scale contagion experiments. And this is where Facebook experimented with subliminal cues planted in its Facebook pages that would actually influence offline, real-world behavior and emotions to see if they could make people feel happier or sadder using subliminal cues in, with language manipulation and word manipulation and so on. Well, when the experimenters wrote up this work in the very prestigious scholarly journals that, that published the results of these experiments, Anything can happen in New Jersey. We don't want it if it ain't funky. We don't Where, where is it? Oh, yeah, you came the opposite way, Daddy. Good. Jumping out, jumping out. MacGyver, MacGyver. Okay, I'll find you or answer your phone. Is my back out? Oh my goodness. Oh. I'm serving a corpse in a vat with some blood gravy. You're, you're going to love it. It'll make you real high. You know, that's these people right here. That's what they've done forever. Like, to them, this is normal. So that's obviously adrenochrome. She's loaded up the sauce with adrenochrome. The switch gets her hands on it. And she's very important to their uh, magic. She's like a high witch. 
and I don't I don't think I'm going to get to her today because there's so much to talk about, and I really want to talk about the current state of affairs of Hollywood. So as you can see, they're all freaking out. And all of these people are connected through the CIA, through bloodlines. And here we have this guy. I've always said this is a man. As soon as I knew what they were doing, I had to take a double take on the mad cow thing and this. And I went, I'll bet you anything these are men. Because this is a deception. They're not here to bond with anyone. They're here to deceive human beings, whether they be gay, straight, whatever. So I think this is a man. I think they're all uh, these uh, <laughs> inverted in one way, shape, or form. And so it doesn't really matter who they pair up with because they're all kind of the same almost, <laughs> these people. They're, and, you know, all you have to do is notice the faces that were at that event. You saw Deborah Harry uh, holding up the heart, stabbing in the chest and holding up the heart. You saw Gwen Stefani. You saw, I don't know what these young uh, kids are. But I don't even know them. They are so nondescript, and now I understand why. They all blur into one person. <laughs> now I know why. So this thing, and, and holding up a red heart. Of course, I guess it's a uh, six of hearts. But the heart, you saw Deborah Harry, you know, they stab the heart. They take the heart, and they eat the heart. Now, Tommy G is on this thread about to dig deep uh bear with me it's the ellen video thread says so the best thing about these elites being locked up at home is we are getting a glimpse into their houses and slip-ups on the internet some intentional signaling everyone except oprah seems to be posting because she ain't home now i want to comment on the the i don't know i guess it was a uh, just a photograph a still of something that was supposed to be her house. And a lot of people said that's been uh, debunked. I don't know whether it's been debunked or not, but I, I believe something's up with Oprah. <laughs> whether that thing picture is real or not, I believe something's oh up God. with Oprah because Q mentioned it. And I showed that Q post in yesterday's video or the day before. I'm, I, I think it was maybe the day before. And it and you're able to find people who like to play the kinds of things you like to play. That's one thing that helps to make friends. Playing together. It's such a good feeling to know you're alive. It's such a happy feeling. Be careful, ladies and gentlemen. You're growing inside. Ready to say. Kyla Powers Radio. Uh, just checking it on you guys at home. You guys know that this is just really weird now because I feel like everybody has joined the little siesta that I've been on for quite some time. And so actually, I'm not here for snark. I'm here uh, to try to help y'all get through it. Um, share with you some of the tactics that I've had to do uh, to survive it. And one thing that I would say is uh, whatever you have to do, don't let yourself get down. 
look at the glass as half full instead of half empty. You know, anything that you've ever wanted to do, all your dreams, actually, I mean, this is really ironic, but this would be the time to do it just in case, you know, I mean, that's really horrible. But um, yeah, look at everything you ever wanted to look at, anybody that you ever wanted to chat up that you didn't have the cojones to do it. Um, anybody you ever wanted to just reach out and say, you know, oh my God, I just really always loved your work. You know, I, I, I really get value out of this or that. Let people know how you feel and you would be surprised how many people will probably love hearing from you because they're sitting in isolation too. And they're thinking, you know, wow, my phone's not ringing. Nobody cares about me during this. I mean, that's how, you know, a lot of people might feel, you know, they might feel a little lonely. They don't, they're not used to being by themselves. They're not natural introverts. You know, a lot of people have to have somebody to talk to, you know, even somebody to ignore them or whatever. Uh, So the other thing, the most important thing I would say in this is please, 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 if you think you're feeling a certain type of way, imagine how people who are in um, that segment of the population that they're saying are most at risk feel. If you're a young person, instead of antagonizing old people, um, show elderly people that you love might be feeling extra, extra isolated, contact them, let them know that you're thinking about them, that they love you. Everybody call your grandma right now. Call your grandfather, aunts, uncles, you know, let them know that uh, you're thinking of them. You'll be checking on them. Uh, Use the internet uh, to check in on them. Um, I'm so disappointed that that version of that song did not have that extended ending that I live for. Maybe this one will have it. Like I love that ending is like every, that's the whole song for me. Um, so anyway, yeah, definitely send a text. Uh, phone calls are wonderful. Even mailing people do it. Somebody at home is feeling crazy right now. They're feeling just like this. I mean, it's sad. <laughs> it's really sad, but it's that's a great little moment. I love that. It's like, imagine you feel so low, you gotta like add an extra minute to your song. Don't not listen to that part. And then you could just cry out the rest of it. <laughs> that's terrible. Anyway, uh, yeah. You know, anybody that you did wrong, any exes, I think that's what that song is about. Maybe you want to be like, you know, oh my God, 
feel so bad or whatever I don't or Okay, you get it. Kyla Powers Radio. Wait, who the hell is I was like, who the heck is that? That's not Sting. And like, how is he in the number one position? Whoever that person is, is the number one um result. Oh no. They emphasize two key findings. Number one, we now know that we can manipulate subliminal cues in the online context to change real-world behavior or real-world emotion. We know that we can be successful at doing this. Number two, we can exercise this power these methods while bypassing user awareness. Wow. Een grote groep Pokémon Go spelers heeft met elkaar afgesproken in Leeuwarden. Samen gaan ze de stad door om zoveel mogelijk Pokémon te vangen. Alleen in Nederland al spelen ruim 1,3 miljoen. Oké, we gaan voor de Engels. Incubated, developed inside Google for many years. Google being the first pioneer of surveillance capitalism, the inventor of surveillance capitalism. It was invented, Pokemon Go was invented in Google, incubated there for many years, developed there, uh, led by a man named John Hankey. And John Hankey invented uh, an operation called Keyhole, which was invested in by the CIA and later purchased by Google and called Google Earth. Google Earth was a CIA startup initially? Yes, Google Earth was something called Keyhole and it was a CIA-invested uh, startup. So it's important to understand that Pokemon Go was not some happy little game that just got launched into the world by a toy company or something. When they decided to bring Pokemon Go to the public, they didn't want to bring it as a Google game. They brought it to market as Niantic Labs, which no one had ever heard of. Just a cool startup with this cool game. So now we have this Google augmented reality game, and it turns out that the big game that is on top of the little game that the children are playing is a game that precisely emulates the logic of surveillance capital capitalism. So in surveillance capitalism, in the original version online, um, we predict the click-through rate and we sell the click-through rate to the advertiser who pays to get clicks on, on, their, on their website, clicking through ultimately to the buy button. That's what they're hoping for. Now, in the real world, business customers paid Niantic Labs, the Pokemon Go company, paid Niantic Labs not for click-through, but for the real-world equivalent of click-through, which is called footfall. To actually get real bodies with their real feet into real business establishments so that their feet would go fall, 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 tap, tap, tap across the store or across the restaurant or across the bar 
in order to buy something. So I could order by Niantic Labs a Pokemon in my ice cream parlor, for instance. All of these establishments, they're buying what are called, here's the term, lure modules. Modules like a gym that lure people to you. Not so that they will come and be happy, but so they will come and spend money in your shop or your restaurant. Starbucks, McDonald's, everybody was making money. Everybody was making money. Niantic Labs was making money, and all these businesses were making money. And the people playing the game had no idea. So they used the rewards and punishment of the game to herd you through the city to the places that were paying for your body. This was the game of Pokemon Go. This was the real game, the shadow game, getting you into a place where we have predicted that you will be so that our predictions are worth more. If I can guarantee you're actually going to be there, my prediction that you're going to be there is worth a lot more. Economies of action are how I guarantee that. And Pokemon Go was a large-scale experiment, a global-scale experiment in economies of action using remote control means to automate behavior, to engineer behavior, to fulfill others' commercial ends while you are having a great time. to be in the feeling of being served. You are intended to be saturated with convenience so that you will not notice and you will not complain. And all of this shadow operation will remain hidden because you will not ask questions because you're so busy being entertained. So it's no longer enough to just have what you're doing online, you're browsing, you're sending messages, you're sending emails. We want to know about your walk in the park. We want to know about what you're doing in your car. We want to know about your home and what you're doing in your home. What if home security was different? What if it looked different? system some bright engineering oriented person discovered that the nest security system has a microphone built into it that microphone does not figure in any schematic when you buy the security system and it has the piece of paper that you unfold and the schematic or you go online to learn about it and there's a schematic it does not show a microphone it does not discuss a microphone now why would you have a microphone there well remember what is our business our business depends upon extraction of behavioral surplus scale 
scope, and action. So what better device to extract behavioral surplus, especially new forms, voices, conversations, what you're watching on television, what, you're listen what music you're listening to, who's coming in and out of your house, whether or not y'all you're, you're shouting at each other over the breakfast table. All of this has tremendous predictive value. Voices are what everybody's after, just like they're after faces. So now this becomes public. There's a, hey, Google, what's up with this microphone in your security system? What does Google say? Oops, so sorry. Oh, we didn't even know there was a microphone there. Oh, sorry, sorry. Why? Somebody put that microphone there, but we never intended to use it. This is their business. To obfuscate, to misdirect, to engineer our ignorance with mechanisms and methods that are undetectable and indecipherable. And if they confront you, deny it. Deny it for as long as possible until they habituate. If there's some element that fails to get habituated, then create an adaptation. All right, we'll make sure all those microphones are, uh, are, are somehow um, you know, shut off so that they can't be used. And then wait a minute. And once no one, when no one is looking, redirect it. So there will be a microphone in something else. There will be a microphone in the, uh, you know, in the home device or in the uh, music player or whatever it might be. It will be back. You don't want us to take your data and you don't want us to send it on to third parties. That's okay. But be aware that without your data, we will stop supporting the functionality of your thermostat. We will stop upgrading the software. Be aware that the smoke detector may no longer work. Be aware that the, f the pipes in your home may freeze. So now the functionality of the device is held hostage to your agreeing to the privacy contract. And they say, by the way, even if you agree, and we maintain the functionality, we're sending it to these other third parties and they're gonna use it the way they choose and we take no responsibility for what they do with it. All right. Break it up. So now these two scholars do an analysis of one nest thermostat and what they conclude is that given these arrangements, any self-respecting consumer, anyone who's even a little bit vigilant about their consumption habits should review a minimum of 1,000 privacy contracts in order to install just one single Nest thermostat in your home. You have three minutes to exit. What if it gave you time? Security. Oh, talking about the sense of security here. Photos. Then, weet je alles wat op de wereld gebeurt. 
Trying to go to the English. Surveillance capitalism broke through in Silicon Valley 2002, 3, and 4. It changed the bar for investment. Now you had Google making money on the basis of what I call the surveillance dividend. Now, what, in, what venture capitalist wants to invest in a firm that's, you know, just making an app when it can invest in a firm that's making an app plus the surveillance dividend? So what happened right away was that the investment started flowing to the people who were making more money and that more came from the surveillance dividend. And now that is the structure that is flowing across the whole economy. Why bother to put all that effort into the engineers and the factories and the science to make a car that runs without carbon when all we need to do is sell the data from the darn vehicles and we've got the surveillance dividend and all those investors are going to come to us and give us the kind of uh, market capitalization that the leading surveillance capitalists have. That's our new lease in life. That's our path forward in the 20th century. In the 1950s, Niche conceived the Origin Mystery Theater, which roughly translate as theater of orgies and mysteries, orgiastic mystery theater staging nearly a hundred performances between 1962 and 1998. In 1966, he was with Yoko Ono, Gustav Metzger, Otto Mule, Wolf Vostel, Juan Hildago, and others participate, participant of the Destruction in Art Symposium in London. So the guy's obviously an occultist. And here you can see more of his, quote, art. <laughs> it looks like he hates humanity. It looks like he's another, uh, he thinks he's more than human, but why do these people have to be so ugly then? If they're more that than... That I gotta fast forward, it's so gross. What, what is it? What are these people doing? What, what does it feel like? What, uh, what is the, uh... <laughs> effects of it and why why do they look so bad says the black race produces calcified adrenochrome which is thicker stronger and creamier so that's why they like those kids from haiti and that, and that just broke my heart to see those kids sitting there thinking they're going to a better life and they get taken to that island i i it's still it just infuriates me to even think about this says, look up, 800,000 missing black children, more than 100,000 each year. Missing children. That's not even missing black children. That's not even from gun violence or anything like that. 800,000 missing black children missing. Do you want truth or lies? While African people are increasingly distracted by issues pertaining to homosexuality and a government occupied with focusing on gay rights, someone or something is stealing and consuming our children, black organ harvesting. So this, this was from Jet Magazine and, uh, on April 29th. I'm not sure the year. 
So this is Ella Cruz. Um, it says, why could we feel, quote, the predator saliva in Podesta's emails running off their mouths when talking about black babies? The answer is the walnut sauce. The adrenochrome produced by the pineal gland of the black race and Asians is thicker and more creamy. So that's that's what they like. And hence Haiti. Now these uh, stats were uh, gathered by a black lady and she writes, Trump has a 76% disapproval rate among brown people. Now, this was done. I had to go back and find this video or the stills I took from this video because it was back in 2017. So maybe the, that 76% is no longer there. But it says Trump has a 76% disapproval rate among brown people, yet the very thing he's working to stop affects us the most. And just like she said, 800,000, she showed that meme. So, now I can't very well talk about Hollywood without talking about Bernie Mac, because Bernie Mac supposedly was at the cloning center, and I absolutely believe the cloning centers exist. Nobody's ever going to convince me otherwise. I've heard enough people talking about them, all talking about the same things. And there's no way this can happen unless they actually went there. These people came out a long time ago and started talking about this. And as time has gone on, they, they still come out and they still talk about the same things. But then they also talk about how the technology has advanced since 1980 or 1990 when the first people started talking about this stuff not only that i already know the nazis were working with cloning back in the 1920s when they were twinning that's what they were trying to do figure out how to clone people so bernie mac had a heart and he had a a good heart and he was a good person according to all the people that saw this happen because he was made an example out of, according to everyone. I mean, it's almost like he's a legend. Bernie Mac was killed because he was about to expose the massive adrenochrome drug market, which is why they torture children. It's created by adrenaline and has to be stored in a cool place like Comet Ping Pong's fridge. It produces a euphoric high like DMT, but is actually healthy for you. This is also why places like Alaska and Seattle are hubs for trafficking. It was right around March, right around this time. I think it was 2018, though, not last year. But it was right around this time in March. And it says, you're going to jail, you're going to jail, you're going to jail, you're going to jail. We're all going to jail. Oprah show. I think I'll make a snack. Make sure you got the same dietary taste. It's such a good feeling. A very that you're good not a feeling. Vegan and they're not a kid. feeling, you know, that I'll be back when the day is new. But you're not selling Girl Scout cookies and they're not selling ideas for you. K2. And you'll have things you'll want to talk about. Worse. I will too. Daddy, isn't everybody trying not to catch pneumonia? These people out here, no shirt, no pants, flip flops. They only worry about the coronavirus. They ain't worried about pneumonia. 
But isn't that what coronavirus is? I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> it's not stopping. That Chinese flu, ain't it? That's the truth. And look at these old timers out here. That's the best they can do. You can't tell them to stay home. Come out with your little cart. They got the heat. They don't get the old heat. Oh, that's a good point. They're hungry. You know, went and got everything you want to get this one of That boy is going to get his. <laughs> oh, my God. Die data is zo verwaard, daar zit iedereen op de azen. En daarom wil Google ook graag in de wereld van automotive. We're going to stream data from the 100.000 people who are driving around in Ford cars. We're going to combine that with the data we have from Ford Credit, where he says, we already know everything about you. And these data sets are going to put us on a par with the likes of the great surveillance capitalists and who wouldn't want to invest in Ford Motor under those circumstances. A lot of people in Google who said, oh, this is fantastic. Now we have a phone like Apple and we can sell a phone and we can make a great margin on that phone. And uh, that margin is going to fund our profits and this is, this is going to make us really rich. But the, the wiser heads in Google prevail. The people who already understood surveillance capitalism prevail. And they said just the opposite. We want the phone and everything associated with the phone to be as cheap as possible. In fact, if we can get the price to zero, that's even better. We want everybody to have a phone because the more they have the phone and the more they spend time on the phone, the more data we get from them the more behavioral surplus streams in, into our supply chains. So if we can give it away, we're going to give it away. Google's free mobile operating system, Android, means Google holds the key to almost 90% of the world's smartphones. In order to obtain as much data as possible from all these cell phones, Google experimented with network balloons in those parts of the world where mobile internet is not available. Facebook, not to be outdone, flew network drones over growing markets and offered free internet in combination with the Facebook app. And connecting them represents one of the greatest opportunities available to humanity today. Hi, Mark. Why are you showing so much interest in India? Answer honestly. Our mission is to give everyone in the world the power to share what's important to them and to connect every person in the world. Aware of the potential dangers of American data robbery, India politely declined the offer and made do without Zuckerberg's generosity. In other parts of the world, Facebook's true intentions are becoming clearer every day. But we need whistleblowers for that. Facebook is happy to take our data, but not prepared to share information on how the company works. So this is a document written by Facebook executives in Australia, and what they told their business customers there was that we have so much data, about 6.6 million Australian young adults and teenagers. As a result of that, we can predict mood shifts. 
We can predict when they feel stressed, fatigued, anxious, inferior, frightened. All of these kinds of very personal feelings. And we can alert you the exact moment when they are most likely to need a confidence boost. Let's say there's a, uh, a young person who's contemplating a, a date over the weekend and it's now Thursday night and their anxiety is peaking and they need a confidence boost. If you send them an ad for a sexy black leather jacket, send it right now, offer free delivery, tell them you'll have it at their door by the time they wake up in the morning, give them a discount, a discount coupon Right? You're going to sell that black leather jacket. Do it now. We can tell you the exact moment when they are at peak vulnerability. That is real. That's happening. And if you don't believe me, all you have to do is just pivot a few degrees to something that happened in 2018. And what is that? That came from yet another whistleblower. His name was Chris Wiley. And he told us about Cambridge Analytica. Chris Wiley, a former employee of the British company Cambridge Analytica, sounded the alarm about the methods used by this political marketing business. Cambridge Analytica used the Facebook data of more than 80 million Americans to analyze the best ways of manipulating American voters. One of the things that Chris Wiley said when he broke this story with The Guardian back in 2018 is he said, we knew so much about so many individuals that we could understand their inner demons and we could figure out how to target those demons, how to target their fear, how to target their anger, how to target their paranoia. And with those targets, we could trigger those emotions. And by triggering those emotions, we could then manipulate them into clicking on a website, joining a group, telling them what kind of things to read, telling them what kind of people to, to hang out with, even telling them who to vote for. Now, that is absolutely no different than what Facebook aimed to do with these young people, innocent young people in Australia and New Zealand, in New Zealand, to target their inner demons, the same mechanisms, the same methods, only pivoted just a few degrees from commercial outcomes to political outcomes. Cambridge Analytica was nothing but a parasite on a huge host. And that host is surveillance capitalism. Hi, Ella. Hope you're settling in okay. You know how I always say, everything you need is already within you. So much manipulation. The truth is, there's only so much you can do by yourself. What? Welcome to your We all need people to get where we're going. Ask yourself, 
you're going to do it with. Professor Zuboff. Well, in June 2019, which happened to be just a couple of months after that, that grand announcement that the future is private, there was a very interesting court case that was being tried before a, Cali a California judge. And this court case was a class action suit brought by individuals who were demanding from Facebook they wanted to have the data that Facebook had made available to Cambridge Analytica to see if they had been targeted and manipulated by Cambridge Analytica. And this had come to a head in a California court. The Facebook counsel who argued this case stood in front of the judge and said that any Facebook user gets on the platform and typically is sharing information with 100 or more people in their network. Once you've done that, you have no expectation of privacy that would uh, make you legitimately able to claim any kind of privacy right in a suit like this or any other kind of privacy-oriented suit. And so here we have, again, the public operation and the shadow operation. What's happening backstage is a lawyer standing in front of a judge saying, no Facebook user has any legitimate expectation of privacy. This is the, the next chapter for our services. a VPN and send all your data traffic through a secure server in another yeah, right. country. But big tech won't lose any sleep over individuals resisting the surveillance capitalists. I don't want anyone to get confused that if you forego Google search, you are somehow, you know, fighting the fight because this is a collective problem and it requires collective action. Is this the Amish farm? All value that we're trying to create and preserve and not get carried away. They went to an Amish community. Ah. Computer that was torn down, it was built from the ground up like this. Especially for Amish. Yes. Would you mind showing me your mobile phone? Okay, yes. The only thing. Oh my God. This is how the Amish deal with digital times. We were fine. <laughs> we lived rich and full lives. We uh, had close connections and friends and family. So having said that, I want to recognize that there's a lot that the digital brings to our lives. And we deserve to have all of that. But we deserve to have it without paying the price of surveillance capitalism. And right now... Because that's what they do. 
They all get medals and awards and they reward themselves. These are the faces of Pedo Wood, Chuck Todd, Harvey Weinstein, Bill Clinton, Hugh Hefner, Charles Schumer, Crying Chuck, Adam Schiff, and Al Franken. Does this surprise anyone? So what is it? Why do they do it? Uh, what do they get out of it? So the article asks, have you ever watched the movie Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas or read the book by Hunter S. Thompson? Well, if you did either, then you would be familiar with a specific scene. In the scene, one of the characters mentions that a Satanist gave it to him as a form of payment. He continues with, this stuff makes pure mess seem like ginger beer, referencing a brown colored bottle that was filled with adrenochrome. Now, if you go over here, because I wanted to know, when did Hunter S. Thompson write Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? Well, he wrote it in 1971. So they were using this stuff back in 1971. And apparently in Las Vegas was a big place for this. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. You know how they like to push the truth out there. So I think it's really interesting that Las Vegas, I was looking at uh, photographs online, people were saying Las Vegas airport is completely empty, there's nobody on the streets, and I wonder what's going on in Las Vegas, because even looking at the title of this book back in 1971, it looks like it's written in blood, and they're, you know, they're telling us the truth here. What is adrenochrome? Adrenochrome is an organic chemical substance, which is produced by the oxidation of the adrenal gland. They are located on top of each kidney. Adrenaline is believed to be produced when a person is excited or is undergoing an adrenaline rush. The compound can cause hemostasis or is anti-hemorrhagic in nature. Sales or usage of adrenochrome as a drug is highly controlled and regulated by the FDA. Now, this is where it gets crazy. To make adrenochrome, it has to be harvested. This associates the drug to human sacrifice, the elite and the cabal and Hollywood. Hollywood. It is believed that adrenochrome makes a person retain his, her youth. Users experience a unique euphoric feeling. Origins of adrenochrome. Adrenochrome is known as the fountain of youth serum. There are references that adrenochrome is linked to Satanism or other secret cults. The cults are highly secretive and they operate their organizations in secret. The cults are often deathly evil. Sacrifices are known throughout history to have been conducted during the ancient times. Some civilizations that were regularly sacrificing humans were the Egyptians, the Mayan, and the Aztecs. And the Mayans ate the heart. I'm not sure about the Egyptians, but possibly the Aztecs as well. These civilizations were deeply seated in the process of killing, extracting, and consuming adrenochrome. Adrenochrome is said to remove the life energy of the victim. And when the consumer ingests the drug, they then receive the victim's life energy. Adrenochrome is said to cause mental disorders, derealization, and euphoria. It says adrenochrome harvesting and the elite. The elite are said to run massive child trafficking rings all around the world, buying and selling children for their own pleasure. Children are heavily used since they experience a huge spike of adrenaline from the pineal gland. 
In 2018, NCMEC reports 424,000 missing children every year in America. A lot of the elite are addicted to the substance. They participate in what is called spirit cooking and have parties surrounding on the subject of human sacrificing. These people sacrifice children, eat the bodies, drink the blood, and worship dark gods. This stuff tends to be quite addicting. Many who try the drug tend to have a hard time coming off of it. One prime example of the elite and the famous drug is the example of Al Gore. Al Gore, while using the airport, was said to be carrying suitcases filled to the brim with adrenochrome. How addictive is adrenochrome? The compound has several effects on the human brain. Ingestion of this drug can give a mental high like no other, but may cause other psychotic reactions like hallucinations and even cause schizophrenia in some cases. In fact, adrenochrome is as addictive as heroin. There are risks to this drug if engaged in recreational use, your own adrenaline production completely shutting down through homostasis and negative feedback loops. So let me read that again. There are risks to this drug if engaged in recreational use, which is what they do. Your own adrenaline production completely shuts down through homeostasis and negative feedback loops. What this means is that if a constant supply of adrenochrome isn't administered and someone decides to come off of it cold turkey, you will have a very severe withdrawal symptoms. Withdrawal symptoms that are far worse than that of alcohol, hardcore drugs, opiate, or benzodiazepine withdrawals. How long do the effects of adrenochrome last? Originally, the effect was discovered by administering overaged adrenaline preparations containing adrenochrome and adrenaline. Abram Hoffer and Humphrey Osmond considered the effect to be similar to LSD and mescaline, psychotomimetic, psychotomimetic, now called psychedelic. According to them, the hallucinogenic effect of adrenochrome could last for weeks or lead to flashbacks that would be accompanied by paranoid depressive reactions. They put the thesis on the adrenochrome and mental disorders such as schizophrenia might play a role. This adrenochrome hypothesis was later developed into aminochrome hypothesis by Hoffer and Osmond. Now here are some related questions. What kind of high do you feel? Participants of the ritual would experience a type of high off the adrenaline, increased senses, hallucination, feeling of euphoria, hypermania, depersonalization, bizarre ideation. On Ellen's vid from yesterday, and since all these celebs, Kimmel, Hanks, etc., are dropping subliminal hints and all look like they are low on adrenochrome, I pieced together some stuff I found that's pretty freaky. It gets good, bear with me. So she looks like a 90-year-old man. I agree. She looks like a 90-year-old man with the six of hearts. And now here is this shirt. And this artist is Jean-Michael Basque. I happen to Basquiat. know who this artist is because it was a protege of Andy Warhol. And... Apparently, they found this guy in Haiti, Jean 
Michael Basquet, but I bet Warhol was a handler. And I bet a lot of these young artists that he found in Haiti were his, I bet he was a handler for these people. And of course, now I have to reevaluate Andy. Of course, he, he didn't make it to the top of the, uh, of his profession doing what he does without being one of them. And that was always one of the big mysteries of Andy Warhol is if, what, what is he is he came off as being gay, but then again, he was never really paired with anyone. It was kind of a mystery as to what he was. And he described himself as a voyeur. Well, I, I think probably now we know exactly what he was. A woman? And it sickens me that I actually looked up to these artists and these people that had, that I believed had such an impact on society. And now I'm thinking they were just helping to launder uh, money and traffic children. Oh, my God. So this best way, he uh, is, let's take a look. Basquiat. Now here he is, Jean-Michael Basquiat, was an American artist of Haitian and Puerto Rican descent. Basquiat first achieved fame as part of SAMO, an informal graffiti duo who wrote enigmatic epigrams in the cultural hotbed of the Lower East Side of Manhattan during the late 1970s, where rap, punk, and street art coalesced into early hip-hop music culture. And that's when Andy Warhol had his factory down there. They called it the factory. A lot of these Illuminati, I don't know whether you would call them transsexuals or if they were just, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> inversions, uh, Baphomets. But he did sort of surround himself with an eclectic group of people. And here's the thing. When you're looking at stuff like this and you're going over your life and everything is being revealed as a lie. Today I was doing research on my on my discs, trying to find some of the old stuff that I was looking for about Hollywood that I wanted to talk about today. And I can't remember what I searched, but the song, uh, I have it on my uh, in my iTunes, which I never listen to iTunes anymore. I can't. I wish I could get it off my computer. But anyway, it's uh, Hurdy Gurdy Man by Donovan. I don't know if anybody knows Hurry, that song, hey. but I really loved that song for a long time. And I saw Hurdy Gurdy Man, and I thought, you know what? I, I want to listen to something that, that doesn't have anything to do with, you know, but just, you know, a Hurdy Gurdy Man is supposed to be the organ grinder, I guess, oh, with the monkey. God. No, they were like, um... Well, you know that there were some people um, licking toilets and stuff like that, right? I don't know. That must No, they call that Trump derangement syndrome, where they, they act out and they lick toilets or whatever. But then they were like, um, <laughs> they were just licking things around the city. Keep it clean. Oh my God! That was nice of her to call us and check in on us. Yeah, I thought you'd have a holler hello or something, but you didn't say yes. No, I wasn't gonna say nothing. I just wanted to get rid of her so we can go where we. I I was gonna see where she was going with the conversation. I thought she was gonna say, "Can I come over and spend the night?" And I was gonna be like, "Wow."
Because she never really told us what happened with her. We are in that kind of classic Faustian bargain. 21st century citizens should not have to make the choice of either essentially, you know, going analog or living in a world where our self-determination, our privacy are destroyed for the sake of this market logic. That is unacceptable. And let's also not be naive. You get the wrong people in charge of our government at any moment. And they look over their shoulders at the rich control possibilities offered by these new systems. And there will come a time when even in the West, even in our democratic societies, our government will be tempted to annex these capabilities and use them over us and against us. Let's not be naive about that. When we, when we decide to resist surveillance capitalism right now while it lives in the market dynamic, we are also preserving our democratic future and the kinds of checks and balances that we will need going forward in an information civilization if we are to preserve freedom and democracy for another generation. The European Union already has legislation with which it regularly wraps American tech businesses over the knuckles. Google was fined several billion dollars because it had abused its monopoly position. In theory, European citizens are protected against data robbery by regulations for fair competition and by the GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation. Do you think that the EU data protection law is a step in a good direction or is it sufficient? We have privacy laws and the GDPR is the furthest frontier of our privacy laws. And we have antitrust laws. The thing is that um, as important as these laws are, we still need more because surveillance capitalism is unprecedented. And so we're going to need the laws and the regulatory regimes that respond directly to these new unprecedented operations. GDPR talks a lot about data ownership, data accessibility, and data portability. These are very important things 
if the only data that we're talking about is the data in the public operation, the data that we've given to the corporations. But as we have seen, most of the data that they use to feed into the factories, to produce the predictions, these are data that we haven't given. Or if we've given, we don't even know that we've given because it came in our exclamation points. It came in our walk in the park and picking up the cadence of our voice and, and the, uh, the timber of our voice, all rich predictive signals. So no matter how much data ownership we claim or accessibility or portability, most of the data is in the shadow operation. And the shadow operation is never coming to us. We will never get those data. They claim them as data that they own. They took it from our lives. They took it from our private experience without our permission. They analyzed the data. They made it into products. They sold the products and they took the profit. Illegitimate profit because they took it at the beginning without asking, without our knowledge. Recall, bypassing our awareness. Do the EU have a chance against the behemoth of surveillance capitalism? These 20 years have been the honeymoon for surveillance capitalism because they have been 20 years largely unimpeded by law. Unimpeded by law. Why? Well, the most important reason is that they're doing things that have never been done before, so there are no laws against it. Just like factories employing children, you know, in, in, a, in a mass production factory. There hadn't been anything like that before, and there were no laws against it. And it took our societies a while to sort of wake up. We stood up against the extractive companies and their violence, the companies that came to be known as the Gilded Age, the companies where we turned around and we called their leaders robber barons. That's not what they were called at the time. At the time, they were worshipped as these, you know, wealthy gods and geniuses who, who, who knew how to wield the, the might of machines and capital. If we had been trying to stop it, to curtail it, to outlaw it, for every one of these 20 years, and we had utterly failed, then I might, you know, put my chin in my hand and say, gosh, I'm, I'm starting to feel like things might be really bad. But that's not the case. We haven't even tried yet to right. stop it. Look, surveillance capitalism is 20 years old. Democracy is several centuries old. I bet on democracy. Thank you for watching. For more on this subject, take a look at the playlist. You can also... It's a guy. Oh, God. Looks like a smelly guy. Hey, is it considered molestation if the child makes the first move? Oh, I'm going to need a quick answer on this. Well, guess what? You're not funny, okay? Somebody needs to beat the hell out of you just to keep you from getting killed, just as a safety precaution. <laughs> Sarah Silverman, I changed a baby's diaper today, and she had... A totally shaved vagina. What a country. What oh, a God. what a disgusting pig you are. Oh God. So this is a guy. I mean, you can tell it's not a woman. A woman woman would never say anything oh, like God. that. 
not a real one anyway. Oh my god. So in winding this up. I can't. Oh uh, my god. These people are obviously are going to deteriorate more and more and more. And we're going to get to see, I think, really, it's going to be shock and awe. Because what we're seeing right now is unbelievable. Uh, remember this, when the NSA CSS said Pizzagate is real, do not give up the citizen investigation. This tweet will be deleted. Pre-commitment, John Podesta. Remember that? And it was December the 4th, 2016 at 11.48 a.m. NSA Gov. And it did disappear. And I saved it. <laughs> because I believed this. And of course, this is Deborah Messing, who left a really nasty uh, tweet where she said we were all going to die because of Donald Trump. And didn't we uh, want to change our vote? No. You look like a witch. You look oh, like no. a hag. Oh, no. So that's Hollywood for you, folks. Oh, my God. That's Hollywood for you. So there's Hollywood for you, folks. There's Hollywood. And I would uh, take a good look at these faces in this meme because I think we're going to hear it. I think this is uh, Jennifer Lawrence, but I guess the name is Lawrence. All of these people, I think they're all going to come up. Remember, this this beast back here was sitting with, uh, what's his name, Clooney, when he was opining that there wasn't going to be any President Trump. Well, guess what? There is a President Trump. And you've got... Wow, I I don't even know. All of this is alleged. Um, it's it's got to come out, uh, and be publicly talked about. Um, I am staying out of this. I'm just mirroring this. Uh, you know, for the people that don't know that there are different things going on. And we'll just have to wait and see how bad it all really is. videos online of Wuhan, the city at the center of the coronavirus outbreak. His footage appears to show relatives mourning sick and dead loved ones in a Wuhan hospital. He was campaigning for people to speak out about the realities of the virus, accusing the Chinese government of a cover-up. Fang Bing's account went quiet on the 7th of February. His last video was a piece of paper reading, All Citizens Resist, Hand Power Back to the People. There are some stories, and I think that this is true, that the coronavirus is a U.S patented virus. Now, why we have to patent a 
coronavirus. I don't know. Uh, there are some stories that I do think, I think this is credible evidence that the virus was stolen from a lab that was doing research on bioweapons, and they were using this virus in that research. And there is some, um, there, there is some evidence that that was stolen from the lab in Canada and taken to China. There is a bioweapons lab in Wuhan, China. So I think that's, that's fairly substantiated by the things that I have read. And so um, is there a conspiracy theory to let this virus loose in China for population control and that kind of thing? Maybe. We know the Chinese are real big on population control. But could it be, and I don't know this, but could it be that the 5G radiation has started to break down DNA so that the body has less resilience to viruses that are in the atmosphere. Now we believe, and I think that there's some credibility to this, that the virus that they were looking at in Canada had been quote unquote advanced, meaning they were seeing what kind of things could happen to this virus. And so as a human being, I have an immune system that is supposed to protect me from viruses. In and of itself, the coronavirus is not any different or not even as deadly as the flu. I mean, many, many medical professionals in the last two weeks have come out here in the United States on all different radio and TV channels and have said the flu is much more virulent than this coronavirus. What Dr. David Brownstein wants you to do. Now, David Brownstein is a medical doctor, but he has a holistic approach to his, um, to the way he treats his patients. Now, he says that uh, the coronavirus is nothing new. It has been with us a long time. Coronavirus can affect both animals and humans, and it is important to keep in mind that most coronaviral infections are mild. Within the last two decades, there were two serious coronavirus infections, severe acute respiratory syndrome, SARS, and Middle East Respiratory System Coronavirus, MERS, which had elevated death rates. Now you will know, maybe you don't know, that the SARS virus, it was about 2003, 2004, it originated in Wuhan, China as well. So that leads me to believe that this biolab there may be a little bit responsible because we know that bioweapons use viruses and um, I don't know that we're getting all the information that we need to be getting from the Chinese government. I mean, I certainly, I certainly am not getting it. And I don't know with the culture that we have right now that we can trust too many people to be telling us the truth. It's just professional, but. What do you mean she never told us what happened with her? You know, she didn't tell us, oh, I found a new place. I'm over here. This is what I got. She did say they went back to the place. Oh, she went. Oh, oh, hallelujah. Okay. Oh, great. All right. I never knew that. All right. Mm, I wonder what was so bad about what he had before. Watch this recommended video. You are listening to Kyla Powers. Intuitive Talk Radio. Oh no. All the girls around say she's got 
So I hope you guys have enjoyed today's show. It's not just here to be just uh, information for you to hear and go, oh, that's interesting, and then go back to sleep. We collectively have the power to make some change and to make all of this scientific advances in technology make it enhance our lives and not detract from our lives or enhance an invisible party's life without our permission. We have the power to make that happen. Will we do it? God, I hope so. Because I feel like everyone's waiting around for somebody to give the signal and be like, yeah, let's do it now. And if you heard the second piece uh, that I had on today, you're hearing that, uh, you know, coronavirus does exist, but it may not be that primary right now. But why is everything shut down? So that they can go in there and, and, and lay down 5G and do whatever else the heck that they want. And... um try to build uh, an argument for vaccinating, which we know some of these vaccines have uh, the chip in it. When are we going to say something, people? Understand that this is a psychological operation. It's a psychological game. It's a war. It's 5D chess. And they've thrown this thing out there and gotten a lot of people paralyzed with fear so that they're so freaked out over the virus, no one instead, no one's not having the uh, conversation that we should be having is, okay, how many of how many grown-ups in this room with their underpants on think this is crap? Even if it's not crap, how many of us know that other things could be going on and that we are not being made privy to what's going on? And if those things are bad, what could we do about it? Because right now, we're secure, and that feels really good. But we're not doing anything. And that gives whoever it is that has been scheming and plotting and planning all of this time, way in advance, full carte blanche to do whatever the heck it is that they planned So what is our plan B other than sitting down saying, well, you know, well, we'll just see what happens. We've secured our houses, but I challenge my fellow human beings. They've got you doing all these stupid challenges on these apps and all this juvenile stuff. I challenge you to come up with a solution. If certain things happened, Worst case scenarios, how could the people fight back without necessarily taking to the streets? Or um, how can we first win the argument? Because before you can ever contemplate picking up weapons or doing anything, it's the battle for hearts and minds. That's number one. And so for right now, they've trumped us, (laughs) to put it that way. I can't think of any other word with, you know, well, this is so scary. We can't, 
you know, we can't come out of our houses. I want everybody to understand why can I talk about this? Because I can recognize techniques that were used on me to keep me kind of uh, encapsulated for 20 years. The first thing that they want to do is make sure that you're stuck. And if, even if you're not stuck, make you feel like you're stuck. There is spiritual uh, and psychological damage that comes in not being able to go out, in not being able to travel, in not being able to do certain things. I went through this already. This was practice and everybody said, oh, it's fine. And she'll just keep your head down and just get over it. Now it's happening to everybody because nobody did anything. And nobody's measuring what that damage is. Actually, I can't say that. Oprah in her new magazine and whatever you think about her. Oh, now they, oh God, they just threatened me. A family funeral just popped on my screen. They're threatening me. So I can't say what it is that I'm saying. But her new magazine, you can go to it. She's talking about the psychological damage of, uh, you know, confinement. So if you think that certain players do not know, if you think that they don't know that this is going to have an effect psychologically on people to put you, if you're in a certain state of mind, any kind of fear, any kind of anything, you are less apt to be able to think of a solution or to form any kind of defense, defense, much less an offense. So obviously I am being extremely limited and what I'm being allowed to say. So you saw an instant, instantly, instantly, I'm not supposed to say that. So please, people don't come after me with, oh, why aren't there more shows? This, these are the threats that I'm getting daily. So um, we're headed for a society because we do nothing. We're headed for a society where these, uh, you know, just parasites can leech off of people and then at the same time call people unworthy because uh, they can't get your slave labor. Oh, now they got somebody in a, in a funeral casket. I should be taping this. I should be taping this. This is, this is the worst threat that I've seen so far. So that's the end of the show. I hope somebody wakes up and does something. I hope some force intervenes in this. Kyla Powers Radio. So how will the United States get through this? Who will we lean on along the way? I don't have all the answers, but there are four things I know for sure. Number one, we will get through this. Remember, we're Americans, born of a revolution. Fight is in our DNA. America is at her best when she's tested. She's strong, determined, and has the mettle to get through anything. The White House Coronavirus Task Force is making sure we will get through this 
with the best of the best engaged on our behalf. A whole-of-government response is on this. Since President Trump implemented travel restrictions on China and then Europe, then closed northern and southern borders to non-essential travel, we are protecting our citizens as much as possible. The FDA has issued an emergency approval for testing and has cut its red tape. Americans are being tested for free. The fast track right now is the only track in America. The president has brought together bank executives, insurers, pharmaceutical companies, airlines, and stores. Number two, when we get through this, we will be stronger than ever. Economists agree that once this virus plateaus, as it has in other countries, our economy will come roaring back. President Trump signed an emergency coronavirus package injecting $8.3 billion into the efforts to fight this outbreak. Tax day is delayed until July. Student loan payments are suspended for 60 days. There's a moratorium on FHA foreclosures. And this week's stimulus package will provide at least $1,200 per adult to make $7,500 a year or less all in an effort to get us to the point where we can be stronger when we get out of this. This is the kind of whole of government response America has never seen before, and this is the response that will provide us with the ability to come back. Number three, we are finding common ground in unusual places. The president has brought together former competitors to fight this together, all focused on America's common enemy. Companies and workers are volunteering even though they're suffering financially. They're stepping up with masks and drive-thrus for testing. And amazingly, even politics comprehends the need for common ground. With respect to Governor Cuomo, we had a great talk this morning. We're both doing a really good job. We've done a phenomenal job on this. The governors, even, even Gavin Newsom, we argue a lot. But Gavin Newsom's been very, very generous. I spoke to the president this morning about specific actions the president is going to take. I can tell you he is fully engaged on trying to help New York. He's being very creative uh, and very energetic. And I, I thank him for his partnership. Number four, we are getting close to our humanity, our faith, and our purpose in life. The silence of isolation is deafening, and it is forcing us to think about our purpose. We are social beings, but maybe the silver lining will be the time we have to self-examine, reflect, and get closer to our creator. As Vice President Pence said today, the religious communities have had to make the hard choice to suspend services. So maybe you can practice your faith by finding that senior citizen in your neighborhood who can't get to the store, who can't cook his or her own meals. Do something for them. Right. Our kids, That's the nice. ones who were dancing on the beach last weekend in Florida, have a lot of energy. Get them out of the house to help others. Be sincere, be kind, and be temperate. Make a vow to give. Remember the importance of love and family. 
The darkness of the present will only fade as the brightness of the future is just beyond the horizon. I look forward to enjoying that day with you. And that's my open. Let me know what you think on my Facebook and Twitter. I think that's a nice way to end. Y'all ready for this? Kyla Powers Radio. Oh, no. Oh, no, I messed that up. This is a blooper. Forget this. Forget it. Forget it. You always make each day such a special day. What? You know how? By just your being you. I do enjoy doing the show. Thank you. That's you yourself. I tried to tell him that. I'll be back next time. Bye-bye. You got problems understanding people's worth and such. Ha! Kyla Powers Radio.